Good morning. It's good to be back with you all this morning. Um, I'm going to beg your indulgence today. My voice is really strained. Um, it's not strained for a good reason, although it really is. Um, I went to my nephew's football game. He plays for Poway High, and um, they played their rival, Ranch Bernardo High School, for the Palomar Cup, and they won. Um, and uh, it was a, it was a, it was an amazing victory. I usually wouldn't do this, but. They went into halftime down by, but uh, down by almost two scores. It was fourteen to five. Um, how they got five is great. Um, third quarter, RB High comes out, scores. Now they're down twenty-one five. Poway High comes roaring back, wins. Last play of the game, fantastic. Obviously, as a proud uncle, I was screaming like a crazy man. So. <laughs> So much so that my daughter, who goes to school at Poway High, um, said that all her friends were putting me on their Snapchat stories. Um, and, uh, and I lost my voice, so I'm going to beg your indulgence. But praise God, we don't come to a God who sees us down at halftime and then requires us to do good enough to come back and win the victory. Um, praise God, we come now to hear good news the message of the gospel that God has entered in, has become one of us who was down at halftime, took the whole team on his back, and won the victory for us. That's the beauty of the good news. That's the beauty of the God that we worship um, today. And so if you would please, take out your Bibles, open them to Psalm chapter 22. Uh, this is a long reading. It's 30-something verses, uh, 31 verses, but it's worth hearing the whole thing. And so uh, if you're able to stand, please do. Uh, if not, then don't worry about it. It is 31 verses, so it's a little bit long. Um, that's okay. You can stay seated. If you need to sit down in the middle of the reading, go for it. It's totally fine. But we stand out of respect for the speaker, not for the one who reads but for God who speaks to us in his word. And so listen, Psalm 22. To the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the, gro- from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. 
Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offsprings of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel, for He has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden His face from Him, but has heard when He cried to Him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear Him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek Him shall praise the Lord. May our hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before You for kingship belongs to the Lord. And He rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before Him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even those, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve Him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim His righteousness to a people yet unborn that He has done it. Thus far, the reading of God's Word. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come to You now, and um, God, so often my heart identifies with this psalm. I feel like You're so far off, and God, we thank You that through the work of Jesus, You are no longer far off. The dividing wall that separated us from You has been torn down the curtain, the veil that kept me from You has been torn in two so that now we can enter in and know and see and understand and have confidence and rest in the fact that You are our God. So God, be with us today, we pray. Through Your preached Word, encourage Your people. Um, encourage Your minister's heart. Um, Lord, I pray that anything that I say today that would get in between the Gospel of grace and your people's ears, anything that I would say that would do that, God, I pray you would just be, you would move it aside, um, that your gospel might come through clearly, and that your people might be encouraged, we pray, for Christ's sake, 
and the building of His kingdom. Amen. You may be seated. Um, what happens when it feels like prayer doesn't work? Uh, I wonder if you've ever felt that before. Um, when you feel like uh, life is just a mess and you're tired and you pray and it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. What happens? My guess is we all come here tired from a long week, um, a long week of work, a long week of trial, a long week, a hectic life in a sin-cursed world. And we come here and we get together and we sing and we're encouraged and then we go out um, into our weeks and we're right back in the middle of it. Uh, This week has seen its fair share of tragedy, uh, hasn't it? Um... From the, from the vile and evil act of anti-Semitism um, that led a man to shoot up a synagogue and kill 11 people in the middle of a bris. Vile, evil racism. To yesterday, getting two emergency alerts from uh, child abductions on my phone evil, vile. It's funny how quickly we forget um, that there was just a a tidal wave that killed hundreds and thousands of people in Indonesia, um, in Palu. We look at our own hearts and we know that there's problems, but there's these things that come around this stream of immigrants trying to get to freedom, trying to get to a better life, um, blocked off. A kid being abducted in the middle of that. Sex trafficking, uh, San Diego, uh, the eighth most, uh, the eighth largest market for sex trafficking in the nation. Um, Drug addiction, spousal abuse, But not everything is bad that puts this pressure on us, right? Um, Lost loved ones, not due to any any sin, just due to the fact that we live in a broken world. Aches, pains, life. These things can bring us to the point of despair, to the point where we pray and we cry out, God, put an end to this foolishness. Put an end to this mess. God, bring deliverance. Where are you in the middle of all of this? Do you know what it's like to do that? (laughs) To pray that kind of prayer? Where are you, God? And then to feel alone... Um, to feel forsaken. I guess the question is, do you identify with this cry? 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far off, God? I need you here, now. I need you here to hear the words of my groaning. You see, I think we all um, can respond to that. Um, I think we all find that place inside of us. And quite frankly, uh, as I was growing up, I always thought that was a shameful place to be in. Um, I thought that was a place that showed my like spiritual weakness. Um, I grew up in a church where if you were doing the right things, um, then God would be near to you. And if you were doing the wrong things, then God would be away from you. God would be far from you. So every time I prayed and I felt like God didn't hear, I immediately went back and said, what's wrong with me? And I was ashamed. I was ashamed. Of course I sinned. I mean, like, everybody sins, right? Um, of course I struggled. Everybody struggles. Why was my sin so great that God would ignore me? What I hope... Uh, you leave here, hearing today, uh, hearing from this text today. Um, what I hope you leave here having ringing in your mind for the rest of the week is just this. This is the main point of the sermon. It's a simple point. Um, you can see it on, on the screen here. Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was abandoned so that we... You, me, people of God, we would know acceptance, mercy, and rest um, in times of distress. Jesus was abandoned so that we would know acceptance, mercy, and rest in our times of distress. This is good news. This is the good news of Christ for you. Um, this is the good news that says that there's nothing that keeps us now from God. That even when God disciplines us, He does it in love. That even when we feel distance from God, God is still there loving us, bringing us to Him. So we're going to look at this in three ways, three simple ways. Number one, uh, Christ was forsaken so that you would find acceptance. Number two, Christ knew no rest so that you could find rest. And then lastly, come as an accepted child and find rest. Really simple, right? Christ was forsaken. So we could find acceptance. Christ knew no rest, so we would find rest. Come. Come. I hope by the end of this you hear that call. 
And you hear that call to you, come and find rest. Come and find acceptance. First point, Christ was forsaken so that we would be accepted. Um, Before we jump to see Jesus in this, which, by the way, I hope when as, fir- as soon as those first words of the psalm like came up on the screen and came out of my mouth, your brain immediately jumped to the cross. I hope that that happened. But before we get there, I think we'd be foolish to um, not stop and pause for a minute. The Psalms were written as this sort of liturgy book for the church. They were prayers for the church, uh, songs for the church, uh, for the people of Israel and now the church. Um, that means that this is, this is God. These are God-authorized words for individuals who are struggling to pray to God. That kind of tweak you a little bit. Um, God has given you words to pray. In the Psalms, we find these words, and we find all kinds of things. We hear words of praise. We hear words of deep sadness. Psalm eighty-eight, right? No resolution, just straight darkness all the way through. We hear hear words of the psalmist struggling with God. God, are you there? Are you real? Um, Are you with us? Are you for us? And here, these words are given to us. They were spoken by David, uh, expressing the deep despair and anguish that he was experiencing. As he lived in this world of apparent contradictions, you have the promise And you have the reality of his life. He's facing sickness and death. He's facing others who are accusing him. And so what does he do? Right? He does what any of us would do. He cries out to God. He cries out to God. God, why are you not acting in the way that I think you should be acting right now. God, you made these promises. Why aren't you coming through with them? Why have you forsaken me? What's interesting about this psalm is that it's not lamenting any particular sin that David committed. Um, It's not lamenting any particular sin Instance, any fallout. But it's lamenting the discontinuity between his righteous living and the way he's experiencing the world. He's looking at his situation and he's letting out this sort of Job esque plea, if that's even a word. Um, this Job-like plea. God, I'm holy. Where are you? (laughs) What's all this? Chad Bird says this. 
Psalm 22 is the lament of an innocent man who undergoes what the guilty deserves. Here's a man fully alive, fully human, fully righteous, treaded on in a subhuman way. The psalmist starts out by ugly praying to God. Um, I don't know if I... I can't remember. My brain's terrible. Um, I can't remember if I've ever uh, shared with you what ugly praying is. Um, I think every one of us at some point in their lives ugly prays. Um, You know what ugly crying is? Um, It's that point where you're crying so hard that there's just no more tears that come. Um, Where you're kind of laying on your side in the fetal position. And you're crying and you're praying. And you're saying, God, where are you? You're on the floor of the bathroom. And you're pleading. And you're pleading not just about a situation, but you're asking the deepest and darkest question that you know resides in your heart. God, do you actually love me? Have you forsaken me? Have you left me? Are you gone? God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you identify with that? Do you, have you ever ugly prayed? Um, I sure have multiple times. Now do you see the beauty of these words when Christ prayed them on the cross? You see, Christ didn't have the chance to lay on his side and ugly pray. Christ was stripped buck naked, hung on a cross right next to a highway where people would walk by. A crucifixion, a crucifixion was a particularly ugly uh, form of death. Um, It's not like the pretty cross that we see that's kind of this big T and it looks really tall. Um, Crucifixion, there's debate as to whether the cross was a T for Christ. It probably was because they hung a sign above his head mocking him. Um, But crucifixion was this ugly thing where you were hung, you were nailed just a little bit above eye level. Stripped buck naked on the road into a major city. (laughs) Now the question is, why would they do that? Why would people be so inhumane? Imagine if you were someone, if you were a citizen of that city, and you walked by that, as you walked into the city. And then you turned around and you walked right back by it as you walked out. 
Usually they dug a little bit of a pit around them to catch all of the um, bodily waste that happens to humans as they die. Um, Jesus was whipped, scourged um, with a whip, probably had some implements of stone um, in it, uh, maybe, maybe even some iron or things like that that actually ripped his flesh off to the point where you could see his bones. Jesus, the righteous one, was hung there completely, utterly naked. And I'm not just talking like physically naked, which would be embarrassing enough as it is. But I'm talking stripped of all dignity, naked. He faced this. And he said these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words were Jesus' words. He knows what it is to be forsaken. Huh. Ooh, that's, that's a big truth. Don't let that skip by. Jesus knows what it is to be forsaken. Jesus knows what it is to wonder. I mean, think about that. I'm going off script here, so I'm sorry for the for the blowing out of the clock, but this is just so amazing to me. Think about this. The Son of God who lived for eternity in perfect communion with His Father had His Father in the moment of His deepest shame, in the moment of His deepest indignity, turn His back on Him. My God, why have You forsaken me? He faced this misery without sin. But notice here, there's no cry for vengeance. (laughs) There's no, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm going to get those guys. I'm going to make them pay for what they did to me. No. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they've done. They don't know what they're doing. Why did he undergo this terrible tragedy? Jesus was forsaken so that you, dear believer in Christ, would know acceptance. So that you wouldn't ever have to worry. In the midst of your deepest indignity, is God far away from me? The answer is no, He's not. He's right there because Jesus brings Him close to you. He was forsaken so that we would be accepted. He was undone so that we could be remade. He became fatherless so that we would gain God as our Father. He knows what it is to be abandoned by the one that he let, that has loved him and that he loved. Dear friends, he was forsaken. 
so that we would find acceptance. Chad Bird says this again. Um, Because Jesus prayed, do not forsake me, we know that God will not forsake us. The Messiah has brought us home from exile. He's made us fully alive in Him. Never in Christ will we be far off from God. For in Him, God is not only with us, but He's one of us. Do you know this forsaken one? Um, He didn't stay forsaken. He was resurrected and exalted and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Do you know this one? You see, this is the beauty of Christianity. Christianity isn't just some, like, a moral story, like Aesop's fables. Christianity isn't some morality play. Christianity isn't somebody who comes up here and tries to manipulate you to be something or someone. Christianity says there was someone who was something for you. And because he was that, you're accepted. You're loved. Second point. Christ knew no rest so that we could know rest. Second verse of this psalm. We feel the despair Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer him by night, but I find no rest. David sees that his fathers cried out, um, and they experienced rest, but he can't. He can't find this place of restful solitude, this place of confidence in God, because when he prays, It feels like heaven is closed to him. Do you feel this way? Do you feel like heaven is closed to you? Uh, C.S. Lewis, when his wife died, said that he prayed. And when he came to God, it felt like the heavens were made of brass and his prayers just reverberated off of heaven and bounced back at him. He said it felt like when he walked to enter into the presence of God, it was like God had closed the door and had locked it and then double locked it to him. I wonder if that's how you feel. The word rest means silence. It means rest in God. It means settled in the midst of our crying and our tears. Um, it's in Jesus that we find our rest. Jesus, the man who had no place to lay his head. Um, Jesus, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, came and knew no rest. So that you, brother and sister, You could come and find God, not with the doors barred to you, but with them thrown wide open. Say, do you come 
and enter your rest. Enter your Sabbath. He gives us rest now through His work of submission and suffering. He gives us rest now through the preached Word as God's minister stands and proclaims to you that all of your sins are forgiven, that it is finished because of the work of Christ. He gives you rest now as we partake of the Lord's Supper and we taste physically what we've been hearing about. He feeds us and reminds us and strengthens us and is with us in the supper. He has secured our rest. He has won for you a future rest. Rest from your work. Rest from your hunger. Rest from the vices and vicissitudes of our flesh. This rest is held out to us all over Scripture in both Isaiah and in Revelation. When we see this picture of heaven where there'll be no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more cancer, may God be praised forever. No more racism. No more sex trafficking. No more drug addiction. No more spousal abuse. No more anger. No more bitterness. No more lust in our hearts. No more. Because God has won for us rest. On that day, when you walk up to the gates... I love, I love imagining them as gates. Well, that's what Revelation says. And when you walk up to the gates, you'll hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come into your rest. Last point. Come now. As an accepted child and find rest. Uh, Jesus was forsaken so we would be accepted. Jesus knew no rest so that we would find rest. And now through faith in Him, we look towards Him. We look towards Him and there we see our Savior inviting us to take these words and to use them for ourselves. To use them as a way to cry out to God. Through faith we look to Him. Uh, recently, I've gone, I went through some uh, significant physical suffering. And I kept thinking to myself, is there rest? God, how do I come and find rest? If you have your Bibles, open them and turn to 2 Corinthians.
2 Corinthians chapter 1. Hear this. In the midst of your suffering, God invites you to come and find rest. And the way He does that is not by taking away your circumstances necessarily, but it's by giving you more of Himself. Hear what the Apostle Paul says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is verse 3. The Father of mercies, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Now flip to the end of the, of the letter. Chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, reflecting on the fact that God met him, um, like literally, physically met him, um, ushered him into this vision of heaven, um, is talking about how God gave him this thorn in the flesh. Verse 7, the second part, we're going to start there. It says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Um, there's a lot of times I meditated on that for myself. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm an arrogant jerk that God um, allowed that to happen. But that's besides the point. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. Um, I meditated on that part for a while, and I wondered to myself if Paul uh, used that psalm. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, God, why is this happening? God, where are you in this? God, take this away, that it should leave me. But he said to me, what? What, is, what does he say? Look down at your Bibles. It's amazing. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. You see, friends, Christ was, a, was forsaken. He was abandoned so that you would know acceptance. Christ knew no rest so that you could find rest. And God calls to you and He says, come pour your heart out to Me. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is with you. My grace won't leave you. My love will never forsake you. Why? Because it's not founded on how good you've done that week. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's founded on the perfect work of Christ for you.
so we can go and we can turn to God. We can turn to Him in the midst of our distress. Um, We sang a song um, when we talked some tonight, or today, sorry, about this reality um, that the Lord has done it, and that it's finished, and that your sin, your sins are done away with. Um, when, when the hammer fell to nail Christ to the cross, um, and the stone was rolled away, we can know and we can say with confidence, it is finished. The end of the psalm. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. Before him shall all bow who go down to the dust, even those, the one who could not sleep, uh, keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim it. Proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So now we can turn. We can turn to him in prayer. Um, And I came up with this gospel liturgy. uh, This liturgy for times of distress. Um, I'm sure that they'll post this somewhere um, on the internet. Um, So you you don't need to scribble. Uh, Pray out loud. God, why have you left me to myself? It feels like you're so far away from me. The beautiful thing about confession is that when we confess things, they no longer have power over us. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. When we confess them, we bring them out into the light. They're acknowledged before God, and then we pray silently, be near to me, God. Give me hope. Then, next slide. Um, If you're praying with someone, pray together. Lord, it feels like heaven is closed. Confess that out loud. Then pray, Jesus, let me find my rest in you. Thank you that I can cast my cares on you because you care for me. Next slide. Pray together what we prayed from last time. Lift up the light of your face on us so we can lay down. Pray silently. Put joy in my heart. Give me peace. Give me rest. And then last, deliver me. Help me to see that you've delivered me in Christ and give me hope that you will deliver me again. May God make Harbor City Church into a a place um, into this church that's vitally connected to this God of grace where you can find rest and peace and peace and hope in him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much um, that you are our deliverer, you are our rock and our portion.
You're a shield around us. Jesus, thank you that um, on, our, on our behalf, you were bes- uh, forsaken. And you were forsaken so that we might know nearness to you. Lord, we pray that you would guard our hearts in that. We pray that you would give us hope and encouragement in it. God, do this for Christ's sake. Amen.